How We G with the Golf Insiders for today's segment of For Your Game. A very special guest joins me. He's been a PGA member for 40 plus years and he's currently the owner of Whispering Woods Golf Club in one of my favorite places on the planet, Pinehurst, North Carolina. It's my pleasure to welcome Art Colasanti to the Golf Insiders. How are you? Great, Holly. Good to talk to you. Well, one of the things I want to talk today about, Art, uh, you've certainly seen a multitude of golf swings over your time as a swing instructor. And um, I think on Sunday at the Players, we couldn't have seen you know, two, three more different swings coming down uh, the final holes as Bryson DeChambeau, uh, the old guy, Lee Westwood, haha, and one of the purest ball strikers, Justin Thomas. Um, you've seen a lot of swings over the years. I want to talk about the top uh, most unique swings and um, one that comes to mind also is the young kid, Matthew Wolf. When uh, Jack Nicholas' father took him to Jack Grout and said, I want to give my son lessons, he said, tell you what you do, Mr. Uh, Nicholas. He said, have Jack swing as hard as he can at it for two years and then bring him back. This is a true story. And that's what Jack did. He was like eight or nine. So Jack played golf the next two years and swung as hard as he could. And he learned how to swing the club as hard as he could to stay on balance. That's what Grout was trying to get across. And then he got it with Grout, and now you got Jack Nicklaus. Incredible. T- today, uh, one of Matthew Wolf you just talked about, there's no way in the God's Green Acres that you would go ahead and teach somebody how to swing like Matthew Wolf. It's something he taught himself, and he got accustomed to it. And he was fortunate enough to get with a PGA member who just let him swing the way he was, would swing. And he'd give him a little tweak here or there. The other one I think of is uh, Jim Furyk. Uh, he's only won $70 million out there. And they have, his father's been his only teacher. So they ask his father, they say, why would you let Jim swing the club like that? He said, well, I think it's because of $70 million. Oh, my goodness, right? Great answer. So let me ask you, because we know, especially over, you know, the last 10 years, we've seen different methods, different, you know, uh, approaches to the golf swing. And, um, you know, we also see players, and one that comes to mind, uh, an Ian Baker Finch, who after winning the, you know, British Open, suddenly decided to dismantle his golf swing, and he never was the same. It's like there's there's something going on with Jordan Spieth, the way he's just sort of gotten so, you know, mental about his swing since, you know, that brilliant run five years ago. Nicholas was in the booth one day, and they asked him what was the difference between his generation and the generation now. He said, in my generation, we had to, as Hogan said, you have to find it in the dirt. In other words, you go out there by yourself, and you just keep hitting balls and hitting balls till you find that something that's comfortable, and then develop it from there. That was Nicholas' generation. Generation today, if you go to a tour event, and they have the ropes up at the driving range, and you go behind your favorite player, whoever that may be, you're probably 15, 20 yards from him, and you watch him hit balls, you cannot see him hit balls. 
the reason you can't see him hit balls is because his entourage is with him. He's got seven people around him. So what Nick's was saying is, if I'm on the course and I, something goes wrong, I know how to fix it. And if the new generation is on the course and something goes wrong, they haven't got a chance in hell of fixing it. Perfect example, Jordan Spieth. If you remember, at Augusta, when he was leading the year after uh, he won it the first time, the 12th hole. He went to the 12th hole and knocked it in the water. He went to the drop area and he knocked it in the water. He was dead. He had no idea how to fix his golf swing. Yeah. And that's, just, that's the nature of the animal. The older generation, because they had to do it themselves, learned how to swing the golf club that, while they were comfortable. The new player is fine as long as somebody's around him telling him how great he is. But if he loses it on the golf course, he ain't got a chance. And that's, that's Jordan Spieth. It's anybody. You watch anybody that starts to go south on watching a tour event. They got no chance of coming back. Well, I think the uh, epitome of that that we've seen recently and uh, the, the vision that comes to mind was Bryson DeChambeau. That Saturday night at the U.S. Open continued to practice late into the evening under the lights to perfect his golf swing with his entourage all around him. You got it. That's it. I mean, it, you know, the, the fine-tuning and the grinding and the, you know, I mean, you listen to Bryson dissect his game. As I've often said, he, he must dream about physics formulas at night. What do you think about Bryson's approach? It's, it's unique, and the reason it's unique, he's done it himself. Nobody taught him how to swing the golf club like that. Nobody told him to gain 40 pounds. That's just his mindset. And that's just the way he is, and it works for him. It won't work. I can't go to the tee tomorrow and, and say, I'm going to teach you to swing the club like Bryson DeChambeau, uh, because I can't, because that individual will not be able to adapt to anything that he does. But that's just him, and he's, he's able to work with it and, and figure it out, and, and it's spectacular to watch. What do you think about the single-length club? I've got a set of them, and... I really can't tell the difference. <laughs> They're all the length of the seven, the seven iron. So when I get to the pitching wedge, I jump down to the length that the uh, that the pitching wedge is. So even though they're the same length, I, where I put my hands on the club is totally different than just putting them the same way on each club. I think it was Seve Ballesteros that said, um, you know, what made him such have such a good short game was that. You know, he learned to hit a four-iron from anywhere. Well, that's the only club he had. Growing up, that's the only club he had. It was a three or a four-iron. So he played golf with one club. So he, he learned how to hit, the, hit a bunker shot around the green with a, a four-iron. Every year I'd have a, a three-club tournament at the club we were at. Seventy-five percent of the people would shoot their lowest round of the year at that tournament because they took their three favorite clubs. I love it. Difference. Of course. One guy, would, one guy would take a driver, a seven iron, and a putter. Somebody else would take a three wood, a, a five iron, and a pitching wedge. Wouldn't even take a putter. So, but the, those were the clubs there. You have to get comfortable within your skin. Well, another thing that uh, you'll notice about Bryson is that he does not set the club down on the ground, uh, particularly his driver, before he swings. And I... I've seen a, a, a number of uh, pros do something similar, 
And it almost, you know, it seems to make a lot of sense to me because, you know, you're not coming then from a static position. What are your thoughts? My thoughts go back to my baseball years when I was uh, I was a bat boy for a Triple A team and I loved playing baseball and they and so they taught me how to play the outfield and they said the one thing that you do as soon as the pitcher starts to wind up you need to start moving forward right left whatever because if a ball's hit you're not going to get the jump on the ball the, for for golf I would think of Snead I would think of Palmer I would think of Hogan they all had a waggle they all waggled the club before they started. If the longer you stand over the ball, and if you don't move, what happens? Your muscles tighten up. And as soon as your muscles tighten up, they're not going to relax until after the golf swing. And we've all been taught the only way you get more distance is clubhead speed. Well, if you want clubhead speed, you better be relaxed. Well, then, of course, there are some um, memorable follow-throughs, probably the most famous, uh, Arnold Palmer's. You have an interesting story about that. Well, the Arnold Palmer golf swing is very simple. He duck hooks everything. So the only way he could not duck hook it is if he had a flying left elbow, which which meant he could never turn the club face over. Another person that was very similar, an older person, and you have to Google up this golf swing, is Miller Barber. Miller Barber had the most unique golf swing. You talk about a flying right elbow. But boy, can he strike the golf ball. The first golf tournament I ever went to was at Doral in Miami in 64. And I, and I drive into the parking lot, and I go to the first tee, and who's there? Sammy Snead. So I follow Sammy Snead for 18 holes. Then I go to the driving range, and the second person I see hit is Miller Barber. And then the third person next to him was Gay Brewer. And you got to go back and look at the, those two golf swings, Miller Barber and Gay Brewer. Most unique golf swings you'd ever see. So I went from the from the most gorgeous golf swing to some of the ugliest golf swings. But it doesn't make any difference. Uh, we'll talk about Matthew Wolf now. You wouldn't teach him to have Matthew Wolf to swing the club. But you can't believe the sound of the ball coming off Matthew, Matthew Wolf's golf clubs. All, it's just all about, it's fabulous. All about getting back to square. And, um, you know, you, you mentioned some... Uh, some senior players, and uh, one one guy that pops up a lot of times if you you know look up the ten uh, most unique swings is a guy named Alan Doyle, who uh, played on uh, what's now the Champions Tour, and um, he he didn't play professional golf till he turned fifty. Is that correct? That is correct. He was he ran a driving range, and I can't remember if it was Wisconsin or Rhode Island, Rhode Island. somewhere. Rhode Island, he, read, he had a driving range, and so let me give this a shot, and bingo. Well, he had a lot of time to groove that swing, I guess, but the, the key was that he, he was a hockey player, I guess, yep. and yep. only uh, took his hands back about as high as his waist. Yep, he had slap shots. And uh, you, have a term, you have a term for it, too. There are you know, a few others, like uh, Paul Azinger, who didn't take it all the way back. You, you kind of, what do you term it, buggy whip? Buggy whip. If you, if, if we don't ride buggies, we don't have a whip. But if, if you do get a whip, the only way you can crack that whip is when you take your hand back, you cock your wrist. And you don't re unload that wrist until you're almost pointing at your target, and then your wrist uncocks. So it's a, it's a buggy whip ball swing. And that's the way they generate clubhead speed. And probably the most famous in the world of unique golf swings, considered the... I think purest ball striker of all time, uh, Mo Norman. 
you got to look at that golf swing. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. You'd never teach it, but he was the best ball striker ever. And, again, what, you know, to, to share with my listeners in terms of, you know, all about getting it square and impact, correct? You know, what are your, what are your you know, what's your sage advice to those, you know, struggling with their swing, uh, trying to, you know, figure out what to do with their swing, trying to match their swings up to other pros. The key aspect of the golf swing is the club returning to a position that is behind the ball and aiming at their target. So the hands, it's the hands are tremendously important in that. And you need to, do, you need to, with yourself, and with you, you do need somebody to, to get you started and understand the golf swing. But to get comfortable with the hands so the club returns to the same spot every time. There's a the guy out there still right now, Ryan Moore. Ryan Moore was a U.S. amateur champ. The year before, or the few months before he turned pro, he broke his wrist. Not severely, but just enough so it, it, it bothered him. So he played the first two or three weeks on tour with this semi-fixed broken wrist. And every time he hit the ball, it hurt like hell. So once again, he went to the driving range, and he started hitting balls. And once he set up to the ball, he cocked his hands straight up in the air, or straight up, which means his club came almost to parallel with the ground. He wow. played that way the whole year on tour and finished in the top 50 in money winnings. So in other words, when he set the club down, it was not behind the golf ball. Well, it was when he first got to it. But he picked the club up by just tilting his wrists up. He played the whole year on the tour and finished in the top 50. In, in uh, appreciation of uh, the women's side of the game, I guess the person that would come to my mind in terms of uh, unique golf swings, would, which would be the one and only Nancy Lopez Art. Yes, well, once again, her father was her instructor, and he wasn't a golf pro, but he just worked with her, and they, they came up with this golf swing that worked. And that's it. It worked. You know, it's very interesting because you mention, um, you know, father-son uh, or father-daughter, you know, relationships in golf. And I think uh, we've certainly gotten to see a very special one, which uh, was – Justin Thomas, the winner of the players on Sunday, Mike Thomas has been his teacher. He's a PGA professional, never misses an event, is out there every step of the way. Uh, and his grandfather, who, of course, there was a lot of conversation about, passed away uh, while he was playing out in Phoenix in, in February. But um, I, I would have to say that's, that's quite a unique uh a unique relationship. Um, famously, Arnold Palmer's father was the one that, you know, told him to put his hands on the grip and then said, don't ever change that. That's right. And he never gave him a lesson again. And Arnold did fairly well. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but, you know, that just speaks to there are many ways uh, to get to uh, perfect, not so perfect art. It's a, it's a, it's a challenging game. The amazing thing about Tiger Woods, that is all the tournaments that he won. He won all those tournaments with three different golf swings. Say more about that. 
three different golf swings. Well, if you take a look at when he first started, you'll you'll see the way the club was taken back, whether it was flat, I don't remember. But he but he did all this with three different golf swings. The reason he broke up with Butch Harmon, Tiger had just won the Tiger Slam, and he went back out to Vegas just to do some work with uh, with uh, uh, Butch. So Butch is walking down to the tee, and Tiger's hitting his driver. So Butch walks up to him. This is once again after the Tiger Slam, and says, "What are you doing, Tiger?" He said, "Well, he said I've decided to lengthen my driver." Now this is after he's won this. He said, the last few tournaments I played with some guys and they're knocking it by me. And I asked them, what did they, what did they do? And they said, well, we, we lengthened our driver. Butch said, you're the leading driver on the tour right now, and you're changing your driver. And Tiger said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to change it. Well, a month later, Butch said, Tiger, I can't help you anymore. You're on your own. Well, well he did pretty good on his own. He changed his swing two more times. But he was a very unique individual. But once again, he did that himself. Nobody changed his golf swing. He changed it because of his body. Things about his body changed, as we all know. And he just took the club back and did some little thing here and there, tweaked it. So the greatest player ever, probably the greatest player ever, changed his golf swing three times. But he did it himself. Nobody else did it. And so he, he was able to understand it. And he may be doing it a fourth time if... Uh, God willing, uh, yeah. that uh, you know he comes out of this of this uh, horrible accident and uh, recovery of his ankle and his leg, and Correct. is able to return to professional golf. Uh, which, of course, we're all pulling for Tiger. And um, now that he's back home and and uh, continuing that that rehab. Well, uh, it was great to spend some time with you, Art, and I, I do want to mention before we go that you are, I mean, you know, no grass grows under your feet, my friend. You just recently purchased a golf course in just outside Pinehurst, Whispering Woods Golf Club. Tell my listeners uh, briefly about the course and uh, how they can find out more if they're planning a golf uh, golf journey down to the Pinehurst area. I discovered Pinehurst back in 84. I was with a company called, called Club Corporation of America, and I was asked to do some due diligence on Pinehurst because Mr. Dedman was interested in purchasing it. So when I came to Pinehurst and spent about 50 days here, I really fell in love with the whole area. And last, let's see, it was uh, June of 2019, no, excuse me, June of 2020, that I saw that this golf course was up for sale, and I researched it and fell in love with it and was fortunate enough to get it. And having a ball with it, and he's a little TLC to take it where it was when it was first built in 1971 by Ellis Maples. Oh, great golf family. course designer in that area. Yeah. The funny thing about the Maples family that I did not know and uh, is that they were all disciples of uh, Donald Ross. Ellis Maples' father was Donald Ross's right-hand man, and then Ellis was his right-hand man. And Dan, his son, who became an architect and has done just marvelous things around the world, and I was fortunate enough to get with him because of Ellis here, and um, he, gave me, he gave me what he said, that it's got good bones, go ahead and buy it. So I did. That's fantastic. Fantastic. you got to love... Uh when uh, you can make your make your dreams come true, Art, and yes. that's, that's fantastic. Well, we appreciate your time so much, and we look forward to uh, talking more as uh, as we get down the road here. 
Art Kawasante, PGA member. Thank you so much. Same to you, dear. Bye-bye.